Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, Atlanta Catholic Radio, bring you the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study. The purpose of this study is to help you live God's Word daily and help increase your faith and trust in Him. This show is made possible by listeners like you. To support Proclaim My Word, go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the Donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. Welcome to the Bible study on the letter to the Ephesians entitled God's plan to protect you. I'm Linda and I'm here with Carrie Allen, the founder of Proclaim My Word, a ministry dedicated to helping us know God's word so we can live his word and have the courage to proclaim his word, just as the opening theme song encourages us to do. Carrie, before we begin episode one on chapter one in Paul's letter to the Ephesians called Chosen by Him, For Him, will you lead us in the opening prayer that can be found on page three of the study guide? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word in my heart, so my personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence, so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare and protect me for whatever the future may bring. Help me daily to walk by faith and not by sight, ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. We suggest that you read through the entire letter to the Ephesians as a great place to start this study. The letter to the Ephesians is very short, only six chapters, and I think you will find it very helpful as we go through the study. You can listen to the podcast and then discuss the questions from the study guide amongst your small group members. Others enjoy simply doing the Bible study on their own with the company of the Holy Spirit. Your choice. There is a prologue at the beginning of every lesson in the study guide that will help give you a preview of the chapter that we'll be discussing. Let me make a suggestion that when you're reading the Bible, try reading it out loud, either by yourself or in a group, because it helps you hear what God is saying in a deeper and more memorable way. Another great advantage that comes with reading the Bible out loud is that Satan can't stand to hear God's word. Any way you decide to participate in the study, you will be blessed. As it says in Luke eleven twenty eight. blessed are those who hear the word of God and follow it. Amen. Uh, Carrie, would you remind our listeners who might not be familiar about how you go about determining what book of the Bible to study? Well, it's very simple. 
I just begin praying about it and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me to the book or letter he would like for me to produce and present. Then I just wait and see what kind of sense I get from the Holy Spirit. It's so interesting because he always leads me to the perfect study because he knows exactly what we need to hear at that particular time. Whatever the message is in the book or the letter, it's the one we need to hear right now. It's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and not mine. That's so interesting. I know that sometimes you have questioned to what book he was leading you, right? Right, right. Well, I don't question the Holy Spirit. I question myself. I want to make sure that it's him that I'm hearing and not just my personal preference. I did Ephesians several years ago, and when I was trying to discern if it was the right study to do, I remember looking at the books on my bookshelf, trying to decide if Ephesians was the right study or not, when a book literally fell off the shelf. And when I picked it up, it was the book on the letter to the Ephesians. So I said, okay, I will do Ephesians unless you tell me otherwise. (laughs) Nothing gets past you, Carrie. (laughs) What do you think? is the message in Ephesians that people need to hear right now with everything going on in our lives in the church and the world today? Well, Linda, I think there's several wonderful messages in this letter for each one of us. Some messages we may already know, but maybe we need to be reminded of them. The main message is that your heavenly father has a plan for you, a plan to save you and to protect you, a plan to give you hope. It's his plan of salvation for you from the very beginning of time. As it says in Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. As the title of this first episode says, chosen by him for for him. God chose you for himself because he loves you. I don't think we can hear that enough. He chose you, adopted you, redeemed you, and his plan is to protect you until you return to him. Another way of saying that is God chose you and wants you to be in a personal and intimate relationship with you. I believe it's important to be reminded that you were personally and intentionally chosen by him and that he has a plan for you, a plan to give you hope for the future. His plan involves your participation and you are protected by trusting in him and trusting in his plan. No matter what you see or hear is happening in the world around us, We are to trust him. Also, we participate by believing in the power of our prayers, knowing and trusting that God hears our prayers, and no matter what, he will not abandon us because we belong to him. I believe our listeners today are doing exactly what the Lord is asking them to do. By being in his word right now, you are searching for him with all your heart, and he wants you to know that you will indeed find him. Just keep trusting in him and following his word, and he will bless you. Carrie, I'm excited to dive into this study. But first, will you give us some background information on Paul's letter to the Ephesians? Sure. Most scholars believe that St. Paul the Apostle wrote the letter to the Ephesians while he was in prison in Rome. 
But there are other scholars who think it may have been written by an anonymous disciple of Paul because the writing style is different from his other letters. But for this study, we're going to refer to Paul as the author because this is how the letter begins. Paul's original name was Saul, and he was born in Tarsus, which is modern-day Turkey. He belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, and he was raised as a Jew. Paul persecuted Christians by hunting them down and bringing them to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As you probably know, Paul's conversion began while he was on the road to Damascus, when he saw a blinding light and he heard the voice of Christ asking him, why was he persecuting his children? The blinding light left Paul without sight for three days. Needless to say, Jesus got his attention, and the three days gave Paul time to repent. Being blind for three days also led him to see the truth. He then converted to Christianity. Paul's experience on the road to Damascus always makes me wonder what God may need to do to get my attention. And I'll ask our listeners the same question. What does God need to do to get your attention right now? Is he trying to get your attention right now today? If you're not sure, you may want to ask him. Getting back to Paul's letter, it appears that the letter to the Ephesians was written to the Gentile Christians in Ephesus. But it's also believed that it was actually an encyclical or what is known as a circular letter that was sent to the churches in Asia Minor. Although the Ephesians had been baptized, they were relatively new to their faith, and Paul believed that they needed to be encouraged and strengthened in their faith because they were surrounded by pagans. They needed a deeper awareness of their relationship with Jesus Christ and to understand what he had done for them on the cross. Basically, he was trying to give them a deeper understanding of God's blessings in hopes that it would lead them to a deeper appreciation for the gospel. Linda, I don't know about you, but I believe we all need to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith on a daily basis so we don't get discouraged with what we hear or see happening around us and in our world today. It's so easy to be distracted and feel a little hopeless. I have to keep reminding myself that God is in control, no matter what happens. This is why being in his word is so important. Bible studies like this help to remind us that we're not in this alone and how important it is to keep trusting and knowing that God has your back. As I said before, Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison, and so he refers to himself not only as a prisoner for the Lord, but he was also imprisoned on behalf of his Gentile readers, both then and now. When you're a prisoner for the Lord, you're obedient to him and his will. As a prisoner for Christ, you serve him, and you don't lose hope. You just keep trusting and believing in him. In the Acts of the Apostles, we read that Paul's mission in Ephesus lasted for about three years. One of the main themes in Ephesians is the mystery of Jesus Christ, once concealed but now revealed, which Paul mentions both in chapters 1 and 3. 
Carrie, Ephesus is one of the seven churches that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. So how does that fit into our study? Well, it's the first church that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. Through John the Apostle, Jesus praised Ephesus for its works and virtues, saying that at one time they would not tolerate the wicked and they were very discerning about false teachers. Yet with that being said, Jesus then went on to admonish them for losing their first love for him. It makes me wonder if we're not doing the same thing today by letting evil deceive us and listening to false teachers. Are we losing our first love as well? It also appears that there are many Christians today who have lost their first love for Jesus Christ as well as their enthusiasm for their faith and therefore have left the church sadly, to follow the world and false teachings. Just as back then, we also can fall prey to these false teachings today by blindly accepting the evil in the world that is telling us we should be more open-minded and accept everything, including sin. Paul tells the Ephesians, as well as those who have left their faith, to repent and return to their true devotion and their former works, or their lampstand will be removed. So what happens when a lampstand is removed? The light is removed. And what is left is darkness. We might recall a time in our own lives when this might be the case. When you're living in darkness, you can't see the truth. And I don't believe any one of us wants to intentionally live in darkness or believe in the evil one who Jesus calls the fathers of, father of lies in John 8:44. We protect ourselves from falling for the lies of the evil one by being in God's word, where you will find the truth. Isn't it sad to see and hear people, even in our own families, who have left the church and are living in darkness, or those who don't even know who Jesus Christ is and what he did for them? I believe that we are all called to pray for those living in darkness, to pray that they receive prevenient grace. I've heard some people call it prevenience grace. Sounds like whatever it is, we want more of it. So what is it? Well, I remember when I first learned about prevenient grace and how God just thinks of everything to help save his children. It's grace that goes before the consent of the will. It moves the will towards God. And according to the Catholic Dictionary, Previent grace could be a good thought or a good impulse, but without human effort to perform some kind of action that leads them to heaven. The word previent in Latin means to come before. And it is grace given by God prior to someone's conversion that helps them believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and accept his gift of salvation. In other words, it's grace that comes before the grace of God's saving love. This is why it's so important to pray for prevenient grace for those who may be living in darkness today, not only for our family and our friends, but also for those in leadership positions in the world. Because Paul loved his brothers and sisters in Ephesus, he was concerned about them living in darkness. And that's why he desperately wants to encourage them and us to live in the light of Christ, which we will hear more about later in this study. An interesting fact about Ephesus is that 
the Third Ecumenical Council in 431 took place in Ephesus. It was at this council that the Blessed Virgin Mary was declared to be the Mother of God. And according to tradition, Mary lived with John the Apostle in a small cottage near Ephesus until her assumption into heaven. Another theory is that she lived in Ephesus but died in Jerusalem. Ephesus was a great ancient city, the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire, numbering about 200,000 people. It was a major center of commerce, and it played an important role in Christianity. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia, which is the western part of modern-day Turkey. During this period, there were many beautiful temples. The most famous was the temple to the Greek goddess Diana, also called Artemis, which was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Besides Ephesus being the center of worship for the goddess Diana, there were other pagan temples to the goddess Roma, to the divine Caesar, and to several other gods. The Ephesians were also known for their practice of magic, astrology, fortune-telling, and other pagan rituals involving idolatry and even illicit practices in the temple. You can see why they needed strong teaching and encouragement from Paul. So they weren't tempted to fall back into their previous pagan practices in the occult. Paul knew about the difficulties they were having and wanted to help remind them to remain faithful in their walk and their relationship with God. He wanted them to focus on doing God's will and pleasing God by remembering to praise him and thank him for all he has done for them and will do for them. At that time, the Jews had a significant presence in Ephesus. About 10% of the population were Jews, which amounted to about 20,000 people. In the Acts of the Apostles, we learn a lot about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He actually preached in the Jewish synagogue, which was his custom. Because Paul's preaching was so effective, many of the pagan Gentiles converted and burned the books that they had used for practicing magic and the occult, which meant they were no longer buying pagan images. This presented a problem for silversmiths who made and sold miniature images in shrines of the temple of Artemis as it reduced their income. So I guess it was even true back then. Follow the money. <laughs> Does definitely sounds like that. <laughs> so Carrie, why do you think the letter to the Ephesians is such an important letter for both Christians and non-Christians? Well, it's an important letter today because it deals with beliefs at the very core of what it means to be a Christian. Even today, we need to be encouraged and reminded what it means to be a faithful Christian and how we as Christians are to conduct ourselves in our homes and in the world and to live according to biblical principles. There was a Barna study done recently that said only 6% of Christians live according to biblical principles. In the 90s, it was 12%. I don't know about you, but I think that's shocking. And it tells us why it's so important to be in his word right now so we can get back to living biblical principles. Paul doesn't want us to lose our identity in Jesus Christ and forget who we are. And basically, he's telling us to remember that without Jesus Christ, there is nothing but lack of unity, lack of harmony, 
and lack of peace. Without Jesus Christ in our lives and in our hearts, we have nothing. No matter who we are or what we have, we have nothing without Jesus Christ. We all need to be reminded that God is always in control, and we know that he always wins, and that's why he sent his son to save us. In Christ, with Christ, and through Christ, we have victory. So no matter what happens in the world, never doubt God's presence in your life, even if you can't feel it, just know it. In this letter, Paul is reminding us who we are and that we belong to Jesus. He bought and paid for us with his body and blood. As long as we have faith and are living our faith, we have nothing to fear because our Lord is always protecting us. Thank you for that background. I think it's a perfect time to dive into chapter one after that intro. But first, I'm going to read the prologue to give us the big picture, which you can find in your study guide. Writing in his authority as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, Paul reminds the Ephesian believers that they have every spiritual blessing through Christ's blood and the infinite grace of God. They are chosen, adopted, forgiven, redeemed, and made holy. Therefore, they owe it to God to live holy and blameless lives. God has implemented his plan and he will complete it when he brings all creation into union with Christ as its head. For now, they have been sealed by the Holy Spirit as the guarantor of their inheritance. He prays that they will grow in wisdom, knowledge, enlightenment, and hope, understanding God's glory and the greatness of his power, demonstrated by Jesus now seated at God's right hand. So Carrie, please take us through the first chapter. Okay, so Paul opens the first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians by telling us who he is. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. After identifying himself, he then goes into blessing and praising God, the Father of Jesus Christ. I think this is very interesting that Paul begins by praising God. And this should tell us how we should begin our prayers by blessing and praising God, even before making our requests. And the Psalms are a great place to begin praising and blessing God. You will see that this letter is filled with praise, thanksgiving, prayers, and teachings, not only about the immensity of what God has done for each one of us through his son, Jesus Christ, but also what he will continue to do for each one of us as long as we trust him, let him dwell in us, and put him first in our lives. As I mentioned earlier, Paul is telling us in this first chapter of Ephesians that God has a plan for you, a plan for your salvation, a plan to protect you, a plan to give you every spiritual blessing in heaven. Isn't that awesome that God wants to give us so many spiritual blessings? Have you ever wondered how many blessings he wants to give you? I can't answer that for you or even for me, but I can say that I'm not sure if I'm accepting or using all of those spiritual blessings or gifts that he wants to give me. Are you sure? Are you using all of the blessings and the spiritual gifts he wants to give you? If not, why not? Those are perfect questions to take to your next prayer time or your small group. God doesn't leave anyone out. 
everyone has been given blessings and spiritual gifts, no matter who you are or what you have. It, and it's important to discern what gifts God has given you, because then you will discover his purpose for you and how you are to use those gifts, not only to bless yourselves, but to bless others. I have a theory that maybe when we get to heaven, we're going to be taken to a room that has our name on the door. And Jesus will tell us to open that door. And inside the room, there are beautifully wrapped gifts that are waiting there just for you and for me. If only I had been willing to unwrap them and use them. So what good are gifts if they're never opened and used? God chose to give each one of us these gifts, not only to bless us, but so we can bless others. Jesus is counting on you to use the gifts he has given you to help you bring others to him. So twice in this chapter, Paul says, we were chosen in him. We were chosen in him. Before the foundation of the world, we were destined by God's will to exist for the praise of his glory. So you were chosen by him. You were adopted by him. He chose to forgive you and to redeem you and to sanctify you. You exist because you are his will. When I first learned or realized that, it changed my life. I am a first-generation Middle Eastern. If you know anything about Middle Eastern culture, then you'll know that there's a tremendous desire for male children. Well, my parents had seven children, and the first six were girls. I was the sixth daughter. I know my parents loved us all, but yet I also knew they really didn't want another daughter but really wanted a son. So I grew up believing I was unwanted. I came to understand that it was not my parents' fault, but it was just the culture into which they were born. I wanted to grow and get rid of those feelings of not being wanted. So I saw a therapist, and she was great. After several sessions of listening to me feeling sorry for myself, she finally looked me in the eye one day and said, so your parents didn't want another girl. So whose will do you think you were? It was like throwing a bucket of cold water in my face. And I knew at that moment I was God's will and nothing else mattered. What a realization that was for me. I was here because God chose me to be here. The second thing that had an impact on me is when I heard for the first time Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Paul wants us to understand that each one of us, individually and intentionally, were chosen by God. And you exist today because you are his will. There are no accidents. You are his intentional will. He formed you in the womb to love you and to protect you while you are here until he calls us to be with him forever. How does that make you feel knowing that you were personally chosen by God? 
He not only chose you, but he also gave you a new identity in Christ. When we were baptized and received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we became a new person. As it says in one of my favorite scripture verses, verses, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Through your baptism, you became a child of Christ, a child of light, and you are destined to be his heir. You and I and everyone listening are royalty. Our daddy, our Abba, is the king of kings, the king of the universe. Our inheritance is the kingdom of God. And Paul wants us to know in a deeper way how powerful our God is and that he is always in control. In other words, he wants us to know who our God really is. And in order to do that, we need to spend time with him daily so our relationship will grow day by day. He's telling us to walk in love by imitating God. He warns us to avoid certain conduct and tell us how we can please our Heavenly Father by praising and thanking him in all things. Another way we please God is when we help build the body of Christ by sharing our faith and praying for those who don't know his son, Jesus Christ, and inviting them to join you in going to Mass or attending a Bible study with you so that they can hear that God chose them as well because he loves them and wants to protect them. And that they are heirs to his kingdom if they will only choose him as he has chosen them. You see, we are all in God's will, and he doesn't want any of us to lose our inheritance. And he will do anything to protect and save us if we let him and if we trust him. This is why we pray for prevalent grace to help people receive the grace of salvation. I love verse 18 in chapter 1 of this letter that says, May the eyes of your hearts be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope that belongs to his call. I think this is a great prayer to pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ and the hope that belongs to them, that the eyes of their heart be enlightened. In fact, early theologians described baptism as the sacrament of enlightenment, as is stated in the Catechism number 121. It's important to understand what Paul is saying in verses 22 and 23 in chapter 1 and what that means to us personally. He put all things beneath his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. In other words, everyone will acknowledge Jesus Christ when he defeats his last remaining enemies, the devil and death. He will reign over and control the cosmos and the universal church, his body. Linda, I'm going to ask you if you would answer number nine in the study guide that asks, how does knowing that Christ is ultimately in control of your life and the world bring you comfort during challenging times today? Well, it gives definitely, it gives me great 
comfort and lets me know that I don't need to be gripping the steering wheel of life so tightly because in reality, I have a loving father in heaven who will gladly guide me and direct the course of my life if I give him the opportunity. And that's so I can enjoy this life more, or as you said, Carrie, have more time opening up those gifts, those blessings, so that I'm not leaving a room full of unopened presents in heaven. Mm-hmm. I want to be blessed, and I want to be a blessing to others. Absolutely. That's great, Linda. The letter to the Ephesians not only encourages us in our faith, but it also tells us later how to protect our faith by being prepared for spiritual battles with the evil one, which we will all eventually encounter. One way or another, we will encounter spiritual battles, most especially when you're doing something good for the Lord. You see, God knows that there's a fierce battle raging right now between the powers of evil and the powers of good. The battle is to conquer your soul and to prevent you from serving God or helping others find him, and most especially to keep you from your kingdom inheritance. Your heavenly Father will do everything to protect you and to help you stand firm and resist evil if you will let him. As he says in Jeremiah 30, 11, for I am with you to save you. For I am with you to save you. Paul knew that there was a spiritual battle going on for their faith. And we know that the same battle is happening today in the world to try to destroy our faith and our values. Unfortunately, many people don't believe there's a spiritual battle going on and don't even believe in the devil. And that's exactly what Satan wants them to believe. Paul's letter, most especially in this last chapter of this letter on spiritual warfare, was intended to help them and us know how to be protected in the spiritual battles we face by hanging on to the cross of salvation and remaining in the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ, so we don't lose faith. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so excited for this study on the Letter to the Ephesians, and thank you for that background and going over Chapter 1. The Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and the Quest, will continue in moments on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. This is Al Hardy of St. John Newman, Lilburn, Georgia, and you're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. And now we return to the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. What we do at this time is we move into Proclaim My Word Unplugged, which is basically a question-answer time. So I get to ask questions of Carrie that she has no idea they're coming. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how it goes, and um, and then we'll we'll conclude after that. So uh, first question I want to ask, I just want to pick up on what you just said about that the devil and Satan wants us to believe like he's not around. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do see that, that it's kind of like we have this view of the devil, Satan, or his minions as either nothing, we don't have to worry about it at all, or we make him so much bigger than he is mm-hmm. and take him out of creature status and get him you know, in our minds as parody with God, which is not true either. Right, right. Any advice for just how we're supposed to look at this appropriately? Yeah, well, Satan thinks he's bigger than he is. And sometimes we think he's bigger than he is. He is not, you're right. He is not on the same level as God. Mm -hmm. 
He may be on the same level as St. Michael the Archangel, but he does not have the same power of God, and we have to remember that. And we, we don't need to be giving him that power. We need to realize that he does exist and that we need to protect ourselves through the sacraments, through the church, through our prayers. But don't give him that much attention in our lives. Yeah, that's good advice because I think we can sort of get fixated on that. Right. And we have enough work to do in terms of trying to keep our focus on God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And just tell him, like uh, Jesus told him when Peter was being tempted by Satan, he just said, get behind me, Satan, and just say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Get behind me, Satan. Good advice. Good advice. So one thing I love that you, the story you gave about going to the therapist uh-huh. and you, know, you be- believed you were unwanted because you were the sixth daughter. Right. So I probably should have gone to the therapist, but for a different reason, <laughs> <laughs> because I had a sister. Then there were 15 or 16 years between uh-huh. me. There were four boys and my uh-huh. parents had my name picked out since the time my sister was born. Oh, wow. So I actually grew up believing that I was really wanted. I heard this story, <laughs> and I probably I probably had some complex like Joseph and Genesis, the brothers and sisters, probably like, Linda, come on. But um, it is so important that neither one of those is accurate. It's it, it, irrelevant, really. That's right. Because it's all about God chose cho- choosing right. us, right? Right, and what he wanted, mm-hmm. not, not what your parents wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's because yeah. it is. It's a blessing that our parents received. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. at the same time, it's not that I think a lot of us worry about, um, are we wanted? Did God want me or my parents didn't want me? And then we can never, maybe never go to a therapist or have someone tell us the truth. Right, right. There truly are no accidents. Yeah. You are intentional. Mm-hmm. That's so good for all of us to know. So uh, another question on the gifts, the unopened gifts. Mm-hmm. Do you have any example in your life where you feel like you have one of those revelations where you realize there was a gift that God had given you that you weren't sharing, opening, living out? Well, there are probably a few. One is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I could never imagine teaching, preaching, producing Bible studies like I'm, I'm doing right now. And when I first felt called to do that it was like you want me to do what um and the answer was yes yeah i want (laughs) you to do and you know as i've said this before whatever he asks you to do he's going to give you everything you need to do it he's going to give you the grace to do whatever gift he has given you so that others will be blessed Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's so important because we I think we know more than we sometimes admit in terms of, you know, whether it be you have opportunities to do a certain thing or you're asked and yeah, it keeps right. on coming up. Right. Well, this is, uh, I think what's so great about this, the statement, God doesn't qualify you. He doesn't call the, call the qualified. qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. So, and, and that's such a great thing to remember because if I had, if I had the experience or the qualifications to do what he's asking me to do, then I would get the credit. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, and he calls me to do something and he's going to give me those qualifications, then only he can get the credit, not me. That's so true. Yeah. it's it's, And I think that he does that. You might have 
a certain gift that you've known of for your whole life. You've been living it out. Right. And God always is kind of pushing the envelope. So God, oh, well, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll give an example of my own life is that I've done this type of, you know, speaking conversation, whatever it might be, and led Bible studies and things like that. And all of a sudden I started at my daily mass doing the readings at daily mass. And it was at the time during Lent, so you didn't have to sing the Alleluia, but I knew that was the appropriate preferred is to sing the Alleluia. I was deathly afraid of singing. Like I was the person who would mouth words since I didn't want anyone to hear me. And I was like, wait, I need to do this. And I was really fretful about it. I, especially during Easter, you don't want to not sing the Alleluia. And through the help of other people with, as well as just practicing and then also trusting God, you got to do this for me. I can't do this. And then also saying, hey, I go to mass with all these people every morning. I believe that they love me. They're rooting for me. If I'm not in tune, it's not the end of the world. So God took something that I was comfortable doing the public speaking of reading from the Ambo, but singing was like a whole different thing. But he married them together. Couldn't do the first one without the second one. And that's where he gives us opportunities where it feels like he's humiliating us, but he's actually, (laughs) you know, growing us. Right, right. Um, It's interesting because I kind of began the same way by being a lector. Mm -hmm. I forced myself to get up there and uh, read. I had was deathly afraid of public speaking, so much so that in college, when you were supposed to take a speech class as your one of your uh, academic requirements, I knew I hadn't taken it, and I, I kept refusing to take it. And in the end, when I was supposed to graduate, my advisor said, oh, you've never taken speech. And I said, oh, no, really? And she said, well, I guess we'll have to just let you graduate anyway. And I went, <laughs> um, So, but God had another plan. So through lecturing, starting out through lecturing, I became more comfortable with it. And then I got involved in Bible study and became even more and more comfortable with it. I, I will say that's a good thing, a reminder, because often when we're asked to serve in the church, which is so important to the letter to the Ephesians, the mm-hmm. you know, part of the church, but that we might be asked and the immediate response we might have is, I can't do that. Exactly. And that might be exactly what the Lord's calling you to do. And the more, probably the more visceral you have that response, let him heal that. It was like a healing for me to right. get over this unfounded fear that I had since I was like in first grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I never was smart enough to go to the therapist. I just <laughs> finally got it to just get to me. But yeah. uh, let's see. I want to ask you, let's go back a second to talk because in your introduction about Ephesus, Ephesus was quite the hot spot. Oh, it really was. It was mm-hmm. like everybody came there. So you think you got St. John, you got St. Paul, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Apollos, and all that. I went to Turkey and to Ephesus mm-hmm. more, probably more than 10 years ago. And in fact, I probably went with kind of the who's who of Catholics today. I went with Jeff Cavins oh, gosh. and then Father Michael Schmitz. And that oh, was gee. pre-B-I-A-Y, Bible in a Year. Bible in a Year. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and um, it was it was just really impactful because you can still see the theater the church you know, where uh, St. John, you know, um, was associated with and buried, I believe, if I remember correctly. And then up on the mountain was the home for the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh-huh. So 
what do you think that was like in terms of those early churches and kind of it being the epicenter for um, the, you know, the early Christians, early churches? Well, um, wow. It was a thriving metropolis, obviously. And it's interesting that it was such a um, <clears throat> thriving metropolis in compared to how spiritual it also was. And that had to be intentional. And it reminds me of Atlanta in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of spirituality coming out of Atlanta, and yet a lot of other things not great coming out of Atlanta. Um, but I think God has a special blessing on Georgia. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a special blessing on Georgia. And the more we come together um, and pray, the more that blessing will come out, that maybe we can be a beacon of light Mm -hmm. to the rest of the nation. And that's important just for any place, any Absolutely. I mean, we know where two or more are gathered. There he is. Yeah, there he is. So we can be a beacon of light wherever we are and that we're going to have things of the world kind of coming at us just like they did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did did kind of hit me as I was thinking about this you know, in Ephesus is I remember when you're there at the theater, it's the ruins of it. Mm-hmm. But that's where they were like for two hours, it said in the Acts of the Apostles saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Like, so they were really, they weren't just like lightly into the God, oh, no, no. God they were very much into their pagan uh, rituals and idolatry. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I see us getting back to the same thing today with all of our idols. Mm-hmm. Our idols on the Internet and with social media. Um, and what is taking our time away? And that's one thing that Satan loves to do is to distract us with our time so that we don't spend quality time in prayer or in service. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to check ourselves and say, okay, how am I spending my time right now? Is this the best use of my time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think time is such such a precious commodity that we have. And we know that if you want to lose weight, do a diary of what you're eating mm-hmm. and you'll be surprised what mm-hmm. you're snacking on at right. what hour. And if you want to know what you're spending your money on, you know, look at the, the right. checks and balances and see. Right. Same thing with time is to audit that time and to see, and to say, okay, let's cut some stuff out so we can make room for God. There's a saying that um, you've probably heard, that if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? (laughs) That's true. Also, look at your checkbook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good way to check. So we'll be talking a lot about this kind of circle, like that, you know, coming from God and returning to God. And... I guess in in this letter, he talks of like different blessings, being part of the church, being adopted sons and daughters, and that you Christ redeeming us, giving us that redemption out of love. He died for us. So if we're the body of Christ and mm-hmm. the, we're under the authority of Christ, mm-hmm. we have authority as Christians. Absolutely. Speak a little bit about that and what that the implications of that. Well, we do have authority over, especially over the evil one. We have authority and we have the power of the the Holy Spirit. We have the same power of the Holy Spirit that they had back then, even when Christ was resurrected. That's a lot of power. Just think about that. The Holy Spirit's power has not been diluted 
over 2,000 years. It is the same power. That's a lot of power we have. And the problem is we don't use that power. Absolutely, we don't. We, we And we, we don't even touch it. No, no, we don't lean on it. We don't use it. We don't recognize that we have it. But we need to tell ourselves, I have the same power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that the apostles had 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It is mind blowing when you think about it that that there is authority in that, and that we shouldn't be fearful Christians. Exactly, exactly, and that's what Christ is trying to tell us mm-hmm. through this letter that Paul is trying to tell us, especially when we get to the last chapter, chapter six on spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. how much power we actually have. Mm-hmm. One thing before we, because we will get to that, but I think it's important in chapter one is the you know, the magic, the occult and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's important just to remind our listeners, like not getting into astrology and all of those things are kind of gateways. Oh, to... th- those are absolutely gateways. And if you just open that door a little bit, I know when I was much younger, I used to be very involved in new age things. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I realized how deceptive and evil it was, I went through every book I had and threw out anything that related to New Age, to the occult, Mm -hmm. to anything that was not scripture-based. And I just threw those books out. Mm -hmm. That was good. That's good. Clean house. Yep, clean house. Well, and we'll talk a little bit, or probably a lot during this, about Divine Mercy, because it's, um, when we're talking about virtues, you spoke a little bit about virtues here. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about much more, Mm -hmm. and virtue of love is so important, and mercy is love and action. Um, one of the, my favorite ones from the diary of, of St. Faustina, and it speaks to this about the occult and astrology, because it, it's a offense against the first commandment to That's love right. God above everything, everything else. and, and to trust him. We, to, if we love him, we truly love him, we trust him. And diary, the paragraph seven ten seventy six says, everything that exists is enclosed in the bowels of my mercy more deeply than an infant in its mother's womb. Mm. How painfully distrust of my goodness wounds me. That's what Jesus says. Sins of distress wound me most painfully. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? So like, if you could see, like looking on the internet and seeing that some astrology and, oh, let me just see what it says, that that sin of distress wounds Jesus most painfully. And that's why Paul speaks so much about trusting God in this first chapter. Yeah. And then another one on, I'll just, uh, this is another one I had down. It's a good reason to trust, uh, trust Jesus is because in another chapter, another paragraph, 1169, the diary, it says, he said to Faustina, in one moment, I can give you more than you are able to desire. Mm, Isn't that beautiful? So we have perfect reason to trust him. So just real quick on the last, um, kind of a speed round here on, uh, we know that at the foundation of the earth before the foundation of the world he had a plan for us Mm -hmm. plan for our redemption Mm -hmm. so how let me give you some scenarios and just quickly tell me how that makes a difference how knowing that will make a difference so when we face a problem that seems insurmountable say we have like life issues you know life family issues people conflict not getting along how does that make a difference if we know that he found before the foundation of the world he had a plan for us well he knew about that conflict years ago Okay, and he also knows how it's going to come out. And he also knows that the power of our prayers can impact that. And this is where the trust comes in, saying, Lord, you knew this a long time ago. 
you knew this a long time ago, and I know you're going to take care of this. And the other quote in Scripture that I love is, he who began a good work in you will see it to completion, and you need to hang on to that quote. I do. So the other quick scenario we'll say is, what do you have to say for someone who, when they feel alone or abandoned by those they love or even God, knowing Oh, yeah, that's a tough question. I remember a friend of mine once saying, because I know Jesus, I now never feel alone because I know he's always there with me. And I think you say it until you believe it, until you feel it. It's tough when you're alone, when you're by yourself and you just keep saying, Jesus, I know you're here with me. Yeah, I know you're here. Great advice, Carrie. Great advice. So that takes us to the end of uh, Proclaim My Word Unplugged. And Carrie, can I ask you to lead for us the final prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me to be your child. May I never forget that as long as you are with me, I will never fail. I pray, Father, that when you call me to do your will, I will have the courage to say yes, no matter what you ask of me. I desire to obey you in all things and to serve you by helping to bring others to you. Your grace has blessed me in too many ways to count, but I know that it is by your grace I have been saved. I love you, Lord, and my hope is in you, my King and my Redeemer. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. So join Carrie and me next time as we continue to hear about God's plan to protect and save us. Our next podcast will be episode two, chapter two of the letter to the Ephesians called, Who Are You Now? In the meantime, please consider asking a friend or even an acquaintance to join in this Bible study. It's a great way to share your faith. Until next time, remember what Paul says in chapter one, verse 11. In him, you were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will. So no matter what happens, know that you belong to the Lord. You were chosen by him. You are his child. He has, he is, and he will protect you. You just have to trust in him and know that he chose you to be here right now until you spend eternity with him and until then he will protect you this has been the letter to the ephesians bible study a partnership of proclaim my word and am 1160 the quest This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting Proclaim My Word. Just go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. This has been a production of AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio.